just for posterity's sake because you know yeah, hey, maybe need to capture all the goodies all the good stuff so edwin i've known uh, actually again let, uh, the the title is pastor correct uh it's priest actually in the episcopal church oh, priest yeah okay and so it, what would we call you father or uh, my, my parishioners call me father um <laughs> yeah but my business card says reverend <laughs> oh reverend johnson there we go i, I actually kind of like the ring of that reverend johnson yeah yeah it makes it seem uh more wise and more important than i actually am but it's all good <laughs> uh, to me to me you're hugely important and to, to your parishioners of course you're hugely important um to marcus not so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dang. Only because, only because you've <laughs> never met him, Marcus. That is only true. Only because you've never that met him. I, I don't want you being one of those people that cry over random ass celebrities, okay, Marcus? <laughs> uh, uh, you'll never have to worry about that. I get it. That's hilarious. Uh, but, um, so Marcus and I, uh, well, um, I come from, you know, having gone through uh we'll say some more catholic heavy uh schooling i've i went to a catholic elementary school and a catholic uh high school and ed was with me excuse me reverend johnson was with me through um my elementary school and i've kept up being friends with him ever since and he's watched me grow i don't want to say i watched him grow but he's watched me grow little by little into the bearded dark brown person i am now it's good it's good (laughs) listen when i talk about watching people grow edwin used to be shorter than me well i'm pretty (laughs) sure i still am (laughs) no you're five you're 511 now right oh no oh thank you man well i I should plead the fifth because that is a lot better than my current situation i am right when i wake up five eight Oh God! <laughs> hey, and uh, Edwin also for the longest time had uh, dreadlocks, but he recently changed on that, and I'm still in shock. Oh yes, yes, there are there are many who are still in shock. The those who are most shocked are actually my my white colleagues who mm-hmm. struggle to tell black people apart. And so, at least when I had <laughs> locks, you know, it was easy enough, but. I remember the first time I saw a bunch of them after cutting my hair, they're like, Oh, are you a new priest in our diocese? And I'm like, yo, (laughs) I was like, like, you know, I've been your colleague for 10 years. Have you ever looked at my face? But, um, but yeah, people are, people are coming around and and it's nice feeling my scalp again. (laughs) Oh man. I bet washing and drying now, especially must be super easy and super comfortable is because I, my wife has uh, locks and, the routine that she has to go through is just so much. So now you must be just like flowing right out of the shower, just moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely cut down on time. And, you know, I feel like locks are wonderful and and they were great. And it was perfect for that season. And I also feel like because I looked the same for so long, you know, I missed a whole decade of black hair fashion. So now I'm just getting caught Mm. up. Uh, or you were way ahead because (laughs) because i think in the last four years people have gone to like seeing people in locks more yeah no there's definitely been shifts you know more favorable in that direction and and everything so yeah i guess we're all experimenting and 
and getting down. How are you wearing your hair these days, Michael? Oh, I'm still in a fro. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I think it's my beard that changes now more than anything else. But I, I've regrown the fro so I can go back into my old Turbo Negro mode. Um, and I have uh, no, I still have that patchy beard. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really grow well on the side, but on the front, it's it's a it it looks like when a house is being overtaken by vines, black and white vines just covering all over my face. <laughs> That's it's, awesome. It's terrible. Well, it's funny because every year I grow I grow a beard for the season of Lent, uh, and then I mm-hmm. shave it on Easter. It's like my playoff beard. And <laughs> what's funny is that I remember when I started this tradition now. 11 years ago, it was all black. And, and -hmm. this year, and every year, you know, I, I, I'm able to count the grays, but I'm able to count them on one hand. Well, this time around, the ability to count them on one hand uh, went away. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm definitely getting more of that salt and pepper look in the beard. Up top, it's still totally black, but the beard's starting to change for sure. So the good Reverend and I are in Boston, but Marcus is in better climate because <laughs> he's down in texas yeah i am in. I would... I, i'm in san antonio it well it's not better climate today it's like uh 55 today it's like kind of rainy um but yeah typically it's going to get like in the 80s and like Bro, i would say in, it, in the next week or two it snowed this morning oh no <laughs> I do not miss I do not miss the snow, man. I really do not. Yeah, you well I, I gotta say it was awesome. So I'm recently my, my older son and I, we were outside and we made a snowman and and yeah, you know, I was I'm pretty excited about the weather here. The 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 weather and its inconsistencies? Absolutely. This... Absolutely. It's... I mean you, you never know what you're gonna get. And and uh, you know what? One thing I I most appreciate about it is that you know whatever whatever comes, you roll with it. It teaches you resiliency and oh yeah, it does. Yeah, no, it's a good situation. And uh, so, I think in my and it's my opinion. I don't have any educational background, any educated background on this, but I think the Earth is kind of healing itself. What do you think? What do you guys think? I think the animals are trying to take back what's theirs. <laughs> like they're like it's like uh turkeys walking across brooklyn uh there's like antelope freely roaming the streets of detroit with no with no sense of uh not necessarily no self-awareness but yeah no sense of fear um you know i didn't know there were antelope in in detroit that is that is hilarious oh, yeah, that's I'm, wild I'm I'm guessing, but I'm I'm assuming there's gonna be like Rudolph is gonna pop up on uh Miles' doorstep any day now. Oh yeah, he recently uh w- one of our friends, Miles, uh, he recently found a pheasant just walking down the street from his house. And I was like, that's that looks like a turkey, but like uh a turkey that went on a diet. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, that's a pheasant, bro. And I was like, well, what is a pheasant doing in Detroit? And he was like, it's looking like it doesn't have any fear right now, but I'm about to show it. Oh snap! Yeah, oh, no, I think man. you're right about the the healing thing. I know that in they were talking about satellite images over large parts of China, and you know, being so used to having those images be you know clouded with 
sort of all the smog and having it be mm -hmm. totally clear. And, and there are like fish and other marine animals that have returned to the canal, the, the canals of, of Italy. And so, yeah, I think there is a, a, a kind of Sabbath being taken and it's, it's definitely creating some space for healing. I don't know. It gives me hope that if we figure out how to live our lives differently, you know, perhaps more healing could happen. You know, I really do. I wish every state and every country could actually take that and uh, move forward with it and say, hey, uh, look all of the beauty that's growing back. How do we support this? How do we make sure that these these dolphins come back into the canals and feel comfortable and safe? You know, that's that's something and maybe find a way to have the human traffic that's happening around the world. So then, you know, the world does grow. The world, the earth does get a breath. I, I, that's one thing I truly wish we could do. Yeah. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, like it or not, this whole crisis is giving us practice. And so hopefully we can put it into good use. So we did bring you on to have a general conversation about faith in this, in this trying time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And I don't, I don't really know how to start it. It's more like, how would you, how would you talk to someone as they're going through this right now? You know, uh, luckily so far, I haven't had anyone perish from COVID-19 and I'm not sure. What about you, Marcus? Are you still on the up? Yeah. Um, but I got some kind of, um, bad news not regarding like my friends and my family but um one of my co-workers their family didn't necessarily uh hurt this woman's grandfather he didn't perish of covid but basically complications um, from it no not even he actually he got into an accident and he wasn't allowed to go to his hospital because he was elderly so he couldn't get treated. He eventually got like a, I think like sepsis and then died of that. So well, damn. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he, so yeah, he didn't die from COVID, but he still died of it. So it's kind of like kind of taking stock of like COVID affects us more than just getting the virus itself. So yeah. So Ed, Ed talk to me. What are you telling people about? you know, strengthening their faith and resolve through all of this? Yeah. So I'm doing a couple of things. The first thing I'm doing has less to do with what I'm saying and more, more to do with the ways that I'm being present. And so mm. I think the biggest, one of the biggest things that I, as a pastor, as a priest have to combat amongst sort of the members of my congregation are feelings of isolation. And so, you know, I find that it's, less important, far less important for me to figure out the most, you know, wise, you know, pithy, you know, biblical thing to say, and more important for me to use all means, social media, text message, phone, email, what have you, snail mail indeed as well, uh, to make sure that they know that they're not alone, that there's someone who's thinking about them and praying for them. And so that feeling of being connected is big. Uh, a big part of that has been shifting obviously by necessity, but also with great effect, all of our worship life, all of our communal life and social life 
to Zoom mm -hmm. and other platforms that allow us to see each other and, and engage. And so that's been really helpful. And so even yeah. more important than the things I say has been just that experience, giving people the experience that they're still connected, uh, that, you know, they're still very much on my mind and that, you know, we're, we're going to do this together. Uh, in terms of things that I've said and, and, you know, what I've worked with my people, I've yeah. spent a fair amount of time making it clear that, at least from my perspective, uh, this is not a punishment. Uh, it's mm. interesting because one of my parishioners was, you know, doing some self-Bible study, uh, which I always encourage. And uh, she encountered some various passages in the book of Isaiah, and it just talks about how these infirmities will come and these plagues will come and that this is a punishment for our sins. And mm. so what's interesting about that is I, I do believe that there are societal sins uh, that have to do with the inequalities that we experience that have to do with mm -hmm. differing accesses to healthcare, different things of that nature. And I do feel like because of those societal sins, the weight of this is going to be felt unequally um, and mm -hmm. will be felt more by poor persons, by persons of color, things of that nature. So that's something I definitely believe. However, mm -hmm. I, I don't believe, and I am pretty adamant that it is that it is the case that you know God does not punish us by making plagues happen. You know, God didn't not make... anymore, not anymore, and not recently. Yes, exactly. It's been a long time, and so. You know, for a lot of my parishioners, you know, they wondered, so is COVID-19 because of our sin? And so I've been very clear saying, no, that this isn't something that God created because of our sin, that, you know, God doesn't intervene in our world in that way. And especially with our understanding of our God as a God of liberation, as a God of forgiveness, uh, mm -hmm. that while this might be exacerbated by certain injustices that exist in our society. Um, this isn't a direct sort of divinely given result of sin. And so that's been really important. And I've made that point again and again and again with our people, because I, I find that since the beginning of time, you know, oftentimes people will work really hard to make sense of the suffering that they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And for many people, it's actually comforting uh, believe it or not, to believe that, okay, this is a punishment and it is part of some divine order that I don't understand, uh, as mm -hmm. opposed to accepting the fact that there are things that are just random, that are disorderly, uh, that because of the way the world is, you know, things happen that are without explanation. And so I think for oftentimes in the search for meaning, uh, people will often search for guilt and Sometimes they put that guilt on themselves and sometimes yeah. they externalize that guilt on other people. And, and we see that. I mean, we see that in ways that, you know, many of my friends and colleagues who are of Chinese or other Asian descent um, have, are being treated even around here in the streets of Boston. Yeah. And, and so, well, so that's been a big thing for me. We've been finding a lot of people connecting through that guilt as well. You know, whether whether they wholly believe in that guilt or not, you know, that, that depends on the person. But I think that guilt, just like how sadness in music connects us and um, tragedy in movies and books really connects us. I think that guilt is what's catching people and making them feel, Oh, you know what? 
maybe this is a biblical this is biblical retribution and and i think you you know that message that you're that you're telling them that no this isn't <laughs> and you need to and having them reinforce or having to reinforce that that's not god's way is a huge thing for people to hear and to learn and to understand yeah it is it is big and so then you know from there it comes a question so if if god isn't behind this and Mm -hmm. also if god's not also not snapping a finger making it go away as many of us would love to in this moment then what is god doing and I've talked about and I've preached about that with my folks quite a bit over the past several weeks. You know, we're coming through, you know, Easter was last Sunday. Uh, We came through Holy Week prior to that. And in so much of that, we experience, you know, Jesus as, as we experience God. We experience Jesus kind of going through suffering and injustice and, and pain and death. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of what I talked about is, how so much of that was tied up with, I think, a deep desire of God to be in solidarity with us in our suffering, to sort of understand us, to give, to accompany us through everything, and through that solidarity, through that accompaniment, to to strengthen us, uh, to then move forward and to live through it. And so, so I've been talking a lot about that and saying that you know, if you're looking for God, you can find God. I think in the people who are. Mm-hmm. helping us in the people who are risking their lives and their health to serve us, to take care of us. And obviously our, our nurses, our doctors, other medical caretakers, home health aides. Uh, and in addition to that, I mean, those who have other kinds of, of occupations that are absolutely vital to our health and our well-being and are doing so out of the kindness of their heart. I think that that is a big place where we will see, okay, so this is what God does uh, when when God's people, when God's children, which is everyone in my opinion, uh, are yeah. are suffering. And so I think that, you know, just pointing that out and encouraging my people to keep an eye out and realize that what their experiences in what they're experiencing is yes, you know, nice to people doing nice things and and that also in that they find the presence of God. And so I so yeah, I talk a lot about that and and then I think just remind people that, you know, it's okay to be angry around this. You know, I've had some people tell me, well, they don't know how to pray right now because they're really upset and they just want to yell at God and everything. And I say, well, no, that's exactly what you should do. And I point them Mm -hmm. to lamentations and many Psalms and many other parts of our Bible where, you know, people are doing, you know, the 500 BCE version of cussing God out. Right. And you know, I tell them that that is great because if you're in the process of, you know, yelling at God, then you are still in still relationship with God. Yeah. You're still yeah. connected. And so I, I, th- I tell people that their prayers need to be honest. They need to be raw, uh, that they shouldn't search for the perfect words. They should search uh, instead and just let out the words that are on their minds and on their hearts. And yes, and, and then we'll do it. And that's, uh, that, that's one thing that uh, I think also learning how learning how to pray. I think a lot of people don't really or haven't really gotten that. And I, I'm not going to say that like I know how to pray. I know how to concentrate on things and basically form it into what I believe is a prayer. And But I think that's one thing that people haven't really 
completely learned how to do in following their faith. But before we move on, I want to, again, thank you, Reverend Edwin Johnson, for being with us and taking time out of your day. I understand, you know, maybe it's not so busy after Holy Week, but you're still an integral part of our faith system. You're still an integral part of the city of Boston, and you're still an integral part of my friendship because you are, you've been there for 30 years, bro. 30 years. Hey, I think we're going um, on 31, man. We're getting old. <laughs> listen, you know, we're counting grays. I can't even count them anymore. They're just, I can, I can count more black than grays because they've overwhelmed my face. So, um, hmm. What can we ask a reverend now that we have him hostage with us? <laughs> um, you know, what? It, randomly, what is your the prayer that you've been going back to recently? Yeah, and so for me, I there have been two kind of go tos for me. Uh, one is one that many people know, the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the Lord's Prayer is that it, you know, it's sort of one stop shopping. In it, you have a confession. In it, you ask for your daily bread, what you need for that day, you know, in it, you praise God, you celebrate God in it. You ask for the will and power to forgive and, and to be forgiven and everything. Um, and so I go to it in part because depending on the day that I've had, you know, one part of it will really stick out and will be the part that I pray most fervently. And so if it's a day when I know I've you know been a jerk, either intentionally or unintentionally, uh, that the piece about asking for forgiveness is, you know, particularly meaningful for me. You know, if it's a day mm-hmm. where I feel like, well, I'm wondering, you know, do I have enough to do what I need to do today? You know, where I'm feeling depleted, then the request for daily bread is the one that has more emotion behind it. And so that's, that's a big go-to for me. And mm-hmm. I tell my people that all the time. And a lot of times folks are looking for these really fancy unknown prayers. I'm just like, yo, I mean, the one time the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, this is what he taught them. Well, except in Aramaic, which hardly anybody speaks anymore, but you know, we get the picture. And so the, so that's a a big, big go-to for me. And then uh, the second thing I do is called Lectio Divina. And that is where you take a small piece of scripture and you read it a couple of times and you sort of think about it and digest it as, okay, these are God's words for me. And so what I'll do is I'll open up the Bible to the land where it lands. I'll read somewhere between six to 10 verses. And, mm-hmm. you know, then I just ponder. So how and why did those words come to me? And what would that tell me for this day? And I find a hundred percent of the time, even if it's an obscure passage about, you know, King David, you know, convincing a bunch of Philistines to circumcise themselves as adults or something like yeah. that. I find that a hundred percent of the time, there's something in there that I absolutely needed to hear or that I absolutely need to share with somebody else that day. Uh, as you know, as I am a priest and also a, a son and a father and, and a friend and other things as well. So mm-hmm. I think those are my two go-tos and, and I spend a lot of time in silence, you know, one blessing, for me is that while a lot of our routines are interrupted at this time, you know, it's one that hasn't been interrupted for me. Every morning I wake up uh, around 4.30 and I spend, you know, about 45 minutes in prayer. And then I 
then train athletically uh, until my kids wake up and you know, having that stay the same has helped me a lot. Oh, that's that's one thing I may have skipped to tell you, uh, Marcus. Edwin is a truck. <laughs> Ed used to lift heavy. And uh, you know what? No, I, Ed is literally the what I should be working towards being it, with the locks, with the locks. I want locks. Um. So what? Did you read today in your Lecto, Lecto Divina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today I ended up in the Gospel of Luke. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a passage in Luke where, you know, Jesus is talking about some people come to Jesus. It's the rumor mill back in the day. And they come to Jesus and they say, hey, did you hear about the horrible thing that happened to these other people? Um, and what had happened historically is that there was there were people who were crushed by this tower in Siloam, and there are these other people who were murdered and had their blood mingled with sacrifices. And so these mm-hmm. folks were coming to Jesus, and they were saying, "All right, yo, did you hear what happened to them? I wonder what they did to deserve that." Uh, and what Jesus re- replied to them was pretty clear. He said, "Well, I mean, do you think that that couldn't happen to you? Um, do you think that you are better than them? Do you think that you are somehow?" you know, impervious to whatever could befall them. Well, that is not the case that what could happen to them could happen to you. And, and so instead of judging or gossiping, you need to be in a place of, of compassion, of love and, and of looking yourself in the mirror. And was he talking about, was he talking about the people who the tower fell on or the people who were uh, killed, murdered? The people who were murdered, the people who, the people who were smashed, not the people who were smashed by the tower, the people who were behind this rumor mill. The folks mm. who came to him and said, hey, did you hear about what happened to them? As, as if to say that they deserved it somehow. Ah, okay. And, you so, know that's, that's what... and so that feels pretty perfect to me, uh, you know, just kind of thinking about this time is, you know, I remember when this whole, you know, when this whole pandemic started, you know, I, I heard people making comments about folks in Wuhan. I heard people... Yeah you know, openly wondering about if aspects about way of life or population density or anything sort of made that happen. And and that's too bad that it happened to them, uh, but insinuating that there's some blame there and also assuming that it couldn't happen to the rest of us. Well, (laughs) we all got that lesson. So three weeks later, as SpongeBob would say. (laughs) Exactly. So we all got that lesson. And um, yeah, today just happened to come up that it was Luke chapter 13 for me. So there we are. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Luke chapter 14. Okay. Uh, 13. Like 13. Yeah. Unlucky 13, apparently. <laughs> um, blah. You know, I've been asking you questions all uh, throughout. Um, Marcus is a bit more agnostic than I am. So maybe, or maybe not, because he's he might just be here for the ride, and that's completely fine with me. Um, did you have anything you wanted to ask, Marcus? Um, well, yeah, well, I'm definitely, um, well, because it's funny, like, um, Mike asked me specifically kind of like what my religious, my religious views are. Um, I don't even necessarily, I wouldn't even have it labeled as agnostic. I'm definitely not atheist. Um, I just have not really subscribed to any religious views necessarily. Um, but I was interested, uh, Mike already asked, but I was interested to see specifically how faith is guiding people typically. 
Um, I do agree um, with um, the Reverend that this isn't necessarily a smite. <laughs> I think this the spread of COVID, particularly in America, um, is more of commentary on infrastructure and people believing in science and medical advice yeah. or not. Um, but yeah, I was interested to see specifically, um, you know, how faith is really sort of guiding people. I know, you, you know, you give advice, Reverend, to people, you know, on, you know, prayers to take and, you know, advice on even how to do something as, as seemingly in, uh, easy as just praying. Um, but are you finding that a lot more people are losing faith or are they finding ways to like try to maintain their faith? Yeah, I think that this has definitely pushed more people towards faith than away from it. And, you know, I'm, in addition to being a priest, one thing I do on the side is I teach dance classes. And what I've found is that, you know, to my dance students, I'm a dance, you know, I'm a dance instructor. I mean, that's just who I am, that that I am also a priest is either... Another quill in that dandy hat. (laughs) And so for them, um, you know, that I'm also priest is either an interesting thing or convenient thing or something they just don't care about or, you know, don't even commit to memory. What's interesting is a lot of my dance students who aren't seeing me right now because we are, uh, you know, not teaching our classes in the studio right now. um, You know, a lot of them are, are actually asking me some questions about, about faith, about spirituality, about how they might be fortified during this time. And so I think if anything, it's pushing many people, if not towards religion, um, it's definitely pushing people towards uh, spirituality. Uh, I think out of a desire to feel like they're part of something greater. Um, For yourself, um, you know, with you and your family, are they leaning more toward on you now during this kind of time or are is your family and your close-knit friends, are they, and even the priesthood, that the, the other reverends that you happen to know, um, are they, is it sort of more leaning toward like internal beliefs or are people developing like networks for support? Oh, there, there are a lot of networks. Um, you know, I think the, I think what this has shown us is, you know, clearly we're more tied together by lines of clearly more tied together by lines of sort of infectious disease than we thought we were. Um, And so we need to be even more effectively tied together by, by lines of network and mutual support than, than we previously had been. And so there are a lot of efforts and there's a lot of work towards sort of uniting and yoking communities, sharing resources. And, and so that's been, that's been a really big thing. And so, yeah, I think people are leaning in, uh, you know, rather than leaning away. Cool, cool. Well, I, I kind of have nothing else to say now. I'm going to look into the Luke chapter 13. But one thing I I remember is, uh, <laughs> or actually, I think I remember it, but maybe memory is not so great. But I do feel like Jesus doesn't like people bringing rumors to him. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. and it's hilarious that I think about that. I'm like, he's there's there was some there were other 
times that someone has brought rumors to him and he was like why why do you want to spread this why do you want to be that guy i don't know for i hope the people who have been listening to this have found a little bit of solace a little bit something to help them and you know maybe even some direction maybe they'll all look into luke chapter 13 and that'll be the flaming hot chapter of the week um and uh yeah that that's going to be it for the episode thank you reverend edwin johnson um do you want to tell people where they can find you Absolutely. So you can find me in my house on lockdown like everybody else. Just play. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a joke, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, no, you can also find us. Uh, so the, the name of the church where I'm the priest is St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Dorchester. And nowadays, the best way to get in contact with us or to find us is to check out our Facebook. And so if you look up St. Mary's uh, Episcopal Church Dorchester on Facebook, you'll find our page. Uh, there you'll find inspirational messages and videos that I've made. Uh, You'll find information on how to join us for worship, either on Facebook Live or on Zoom. And uh, there you'll sort of be up on what what we're doing and what's going down. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the best place to find us right now. And, you know, for me, you know, I think that this is a time when I consider the community I serve to be, yes, that church, but more broadly, the human race. And so if there's someone either close to me or far away or anything who needs something, I'm going to do my best to to make it happen. And, and I know that vice versa is true. I would like to thank my guest, Reverend Edwin Johnson from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Dorchester and Marcus Showin' Mad Love Robinson for being my guest co-host for this episode of Soapbox presented by Isla Pow. Please don't stop the video stop. 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 This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?